faithful attitude. Mr. Grayson. I'd have to send me a bill if I don't find it. Anyway, a funny thing happened on the way over this afternoon, just down the road. I was looking at the bulletin, and it said that I have the sermon. I remember my wife asking me yesterday, do you have a sermon? And I said, no, that's not until next week. And uh, just a while ago, she was asking, she said, uh, are, are you going to listen to me the next time? <laughs> and I said, I listened this time. I was sure it was next week. But anyway... Fortunately, I have a message that I did give to the Enid Church. I've made a few changes in it. And like the uh, misplacement of the mic that I had, you know, I seem to have misplaced my note. When it rains, it storms, doesn't it? Well, nevertheless, here we go. The title of this message is Faithful Attitudes, and most of it comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 37. These applications that are made to also to our life and to peace. And so, the question, do we have peace in our time? Know what we see what we really see and read about is a lot of evil that is taking place in our society in our age in our world not just here in America but all but all around this uh, this planet of ours there's an evil work of something happening even at this moment around us uh, today you know moment by moment crime clock you know tells us uh, the, the statistics hour by hour something evil is happening somewhere in some way we know that there is lying that there is cheating and stealing and horrible killings mass murders hatred injustice 
All of those things, so many things that cause pain and causes sorrow and division and oppression somewhere. So these are all things that have an effect on each one of us to one degree or another. Now over in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 4, we see that there are predictions of an apostasy. The Spirit in verse 1, I don't have that on your handout, but in 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 1, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Then it goes into more elaborate detail that characterizes this coming apostasy that we see. In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, this know also that in the last days, perilous times, these are dangerous times, shall come. And we know that this all began, uh, as some commentaries put it, with, with the birth of Christ, talking about that age that would be coming uh, thereafter. And it says in verse 2, it's not that these things, you know, are, have never been, but we would say they are on the increase. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. And so we see a lot of this in our society today. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away, turn away from, from these false teachers. So what can we do in rising above these things that we see happening around us in this age? How can we, as I think a slogan that uh, my wife had uh, in her senior picture and underneath her picture was, uh, let us not be a part of the problem, but a part of the answer. So unless we are grounded in faith, unless we are grounded in the word of the eternal God, we can be taken in by all of these things that we see happening around us. And there's a, you know, it's an exhaustive uh, listing of those things that describe the coming apostasy that we see. So we have to be grounded in the faith, in the word of the eternal, having a faithful attitude in this life especially at this time when we're trying to decide between, you know, acts, or as I say, facts, and alternative facts, truth, fiction. Because we see a lot of things that just aren't Christian in this world. And the truth can get lost in the shuffle of falsehoods. And you tell a lie long enough, it becomes truth. So we ask ourselves, what's behind it all? We know that there 
it's because of evildoers and that there is wickedness at work. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33, it says to us that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So one of the faithful attitudes that we have is toward our Father, toward God, toward this seeking peace and the way to have peace in this life. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. In James chapter 3, it says in verse 16, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. That's, you know, that's what's going on in our world today. And where there is jealousy and contention, there is confusion in every foul deed. So we know that confusion and evil does not come from God. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good work, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And verse 18, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So we can be sure that God sees what's happening in our age, in our world uh, today. We see it, so do others. But who's calling out to God until it's after something happens that they do so? Remember in Exodus chapter 32, when, in verse 26, when some of the Israelites were, had committed idolatry, Moses asked, well, who is on the Lord's side? And the question we ask ourselves, well, who is on the Lord's side and how can we be on the Lord's side? And that is to have a faithful attitude toward our Father. Ephesians chapter 6, we know that this describes the armor of God. It's the armor of God chapter. Verse 10, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord, not not weak in the Lord and in the power of his might you know Pentecost we saw the power of his word how it, it went into those whose minds were open and receptive to the father above to his spirit so verse 11 put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil there are the wiles of the devil out in this world. Verse 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we're struggling against an enemy. That is. That you know we can't see. And we, though we may feel safe in our homes. But it's the outside influences, the attitudes that pervade our hearts and our minds that can cause us to not be strong in the Lord. So verse uh, 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. 
Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always, not sometimes, but praying always with all prayer, all petition, and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So, without these, these things, without prayer, we may not be able to overcome. So it's vital to us to put on the armor of God. To think about these things that says to put on. And see how they apply to our life. So we're not the only ones who are affected by what goes on in the world. So we ought to pray for one another. There are some among us who are having various trials and troubles that we may not know about. But then sometimes in our prayer we may think of that person. And just... Ask God on behalf of them that if they are having some difficulty at this time, we pray for them and ask for God's grace to be upon them and also his peace. So we're not just the only ones affected by what goes on in the world around us. Now in Psalm chapter 37, a Psalm of David, this verse says to us, it says to fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither be you envious against the workers of iniquity. We have all perhaps fretted over something in our life, had serious anxiety and worry in times past, maybe even now. And at first glance, this is what verse 1 seems to be saying to us. Don't fret, don't worry. This word fret is from the Hebrew word chara, or kara. It means to glow, or grow warm. And figuratively, it means, usually, to blaze up, like of anger, or zeal, or jealousy. So, do not glow warm, or blaze up because of evildoers. Neither be you envious against the workers of iniquity. So don't envy them. Don't envy the evildoers. Or wish you could be like them. Or wish you could just. In, in a flash of anger. Do something against them. When we see evil. Of course getting, getting away. With their wicked deeds. And they seem no worse off for it. It may cause one to think. Well maybe I should be. Uh, maybe I should go along. So the way of the world can rub off on us as it did to some of them. Then we add to the problem society is facing that humanity, that humanity suffers. So God does not want us to have part with the evildoers, but to have a faithful attitude. In verse 2, because these evildoers, it says, for they shall be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. So what we see in our world today is, 
It's like what David saw and he tells about that was happening in his time. And throughout this psalm, David tells us what to apply in our life when we see these things happening around us. The things that, these faithful attitudes that we should apply in the right way and not the evil way. And to have peace of mind in the end. So this is a uh, psalm is what we'll basically look at uh, this afternoon. Verse 3 says to trust in the Lord and do good. And when you read the psalms, you see quite a bit of this word trust. And you also see where David uh, was a man of repentance, trusting that the Lord in his mercy and loving kindness would forgive him, looking to God's mercy. So trust means to have a firm belief in someone or something as we might have in the word of God, having trust in it. So, David says, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. And he, when you read along in some of the other Psalms, as in Psalms 44, verse 6, David said, for I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. And in Psalm 49, 6 and 7, he said, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them, them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. And in Psalm 147, elsewhere, like in Jeremiah 17, 5, it says, put not your trust in princes, you know, the leaders or any man, nor in the son of man in whom there is no help. There's really no help. Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. Or to not trust in works. In Jeremiah 48, verse 8. For because you have trusted in the works, in your works and in your treasures, you shall also be taken. And Chemosh shall go forth into captivity with his priests and his princes together so we see these things a lot of people will trust in but they are no guarantee because we have to put our trust in the father above so the second attitude that we see of faith is delight first one was trust this one is uh, the second attitude is delight verse 4 delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So delight means to take pleasure or to be joyful in something. Certain things in life that come along, sometimes we take up a hobby or listening to music or other things in life that we enjoy. That's what uh, delight means, to take pleasure or to be joyful in something. Like being around family or friends or brethren in the church. To take delight in those things. But how do we take delight in the, in, in the Lord? One of the ways is we attend church. We have fellowship. And we hear his word. We sing songs. We study his truth. We look into it. And his uh, words, sometimes, for some of us, we go way into the night looking at the word of God and studying it. And we delight in his commandments. Those are the ways that we delight 
in the Lord. In Psalm 112 and verse 1, it says to praise you, the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. And in Romans 7.22, we see, For I delight, Paul said, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So through the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us, the law of God is written in our hearts. It's written in our inner being. And it tells us right from wrong, but it's up to us whether we go along with what the Word of God says or do our own thing. The third attitude of faith is commitment. Verse 5, here in Psalm 37, says, Commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. This word commit here means to roll over or wallow your way upon the Lord. So all that we do, all that we live for, is dedicated to the ways of God, our Father, which is rolled up into like a pledge or a resolve or a lifelong commitment to the Father's righteousness. And the, and the things we trust in him, it says, will come to pass. So what are your desires in life? Isn't it in the things that are good? Isn't it in looking for peace? tranquility among society isn't it looking toward things like health and happiness security and of course everlasting life and verse 6 says and he shall bring forth your righteousness in the, as the light and your judgment as the noonday we know that father has said to be holy for I am holy so let us set apart our life living a godly life. Romans chapter 6, we see where it says to be servants of righteousness. And it tells us in verse 10 to let not sin reign in your body, your mortal body. A reminder that we are flesh and that we are in need of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God for his forgiveness and for that reward that is to come at the end of the age. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace, God forbid. Know ye not? that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants you are, to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So we make a choice as to whose servant we want to be, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So this is, this is the thing that we face each and every day of our life, and as things come across our TV screens and so on, we have this choice whether we're going to live of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked, verse 17, that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. So we see 
in the pages of the Bible, many places where God directs us and instructs us and gives us uh, things that we should aim for, Jesus Christ being our aim. Then, verse 18, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So when we put our trust in God, when we made our commitment, and then when we decided that we wanted to be servants of righteousness, God saw that. And at that time, we became servants of righteousness. So the third attitude of faith, it says, is rest, verse 7. It says to rest in the Lord. To rest means to be still and wait patiently for them. And I know that many of you have expressed that, you know, we're not all that patient. I know I'm not all that patient. But it says to wait patiently for him. Settle our mind and our body knowing we are in good hands. The good hands of God. So, as... Um, says in our bulletin there uh, don't get bent out of shape due to some trial or length be pliable settle our mind fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way and because of the man who devises wicked devices to pass James chapter 1 says James a servant of God verse 1 and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The NIV translates this saying, the testing of our faith develops perseverance. And perseverance may, must finish its work so that we may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. We know that the Lord has given us his promises, that we can trust in his word, and that when they are not right away, we may have a tendency to lose patience. But it seems like the more trials that we have, the more patience we develop along the way. So things may not come right away, but our commitment is, is being tested and our delight in the Lord is being tried. And it's how God measures our faith in him and it's how we measure ourselves too. In verse 5, sometimes we don't know why, what a trial is all about, what the temptation is all about when things are uh, causing us stress in life. It says in verse 5, if, you, if any of you lack wisdom or knowledge, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. Do we understand or always see the purpose of a trial in our life? Sometimes I know I don't. So that's when we ought to pray to God and ask for his wisdom. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
The next attitude of faith is to cease from anger. Ceasing from anger. Verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself in any wise to do evil. Don't warm up to, you know, doing evil. Refra refrain from anger, it says, and turn from wrath. Do not fret because it leads only to evil. So we're not to give over to evil. Do not get mad when things aren't going right or to lose patience. Because when you lose patience, you do things that, are, that can be unseemly. So we stay calm, trusting in God. And to let things anger us can lead us to doing evil things and having faithfulness in God. That's not one of the friendly, uh, one of the faithful attitudes. The next attitude of faith is, plainly says, to depart from evil. Verse 27, drop on down to verse 27. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. So turn away from bad and do good and live forevermore. Refrain from evil. Don't do it. Don't think about it or doing it. But do what is good. If everyone we know in this world would commit to trust in the Father, commit unto uh, righteousness, do his will, delight in him and in his law, you know, man could li live forever, forevermore. Because the Spirit of God would then dwell, would be in him. Along the way, mankind has chosen to be the servant of sin, to do evil, and he has shortened his life. One of the promises to us is that God has chosen and elect to inherit life in an age to come, to be forerunners of God's government that will be set up on the earth, and we are to be examples of his way of life, of having these faithful attitudes in him. So when Christ comes as king of kings, when he returns, when this world has you know, had its fill of all the uh, evil that's uh, in the world, it will come to an end. Evil will come to an end. And he will avenge those who have suffered at the hands of evil. And nations, <clears throat> the people that will survive uh, the tribulation that is to come on all the world, they will go up to learn of God and the elect of God will inherit that kingdom in the book of Revelation we read of these various churches that were given directions and instructions and told their good things and along with their bad things we see in Revelation 2 7 Ephesus Ephesus had left their first love their former commitment to Christ and his commandments they left off delight, delighting in God's uh, law. And in verse 7, it says to Ephesus, he that has an ear, you know, if the, if the shoe fits, wear it. You hear it, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so you see throughout these chapters, 2 and 3, where it mentions overcoming. To overcome. That means to, you know, just uh, uh, overcome whatever problem or trial or evil that is in the world. Then, he, then there's Smyrna. They had persecution to overcome because 
they did not join in the wicked and uh, evil that was going on around them. It says again, he that has an ear in verse 11, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So when you uh, put the churches together, you're seeing a gathering of people. And then when you see this gathering of people, each one is an individual. Each one has an ear. Each one can also hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So the, the Spirit speaks. It's, it's a lively word that speaks to all of us at times. Won't go through all these, but just verse 17. Again, we see, to him that overcomes, verse 17, I will give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man, saving he that receives it. Then there's Thyatira. He that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, will I give power over the nations. You know, sometimes not really a, a faithful attitude when you, uh, you you rub your hands together you know think oh I can't wait to have power over the nation that would probably be the wrong approach that we're to have a humble and a loving attitude but <clears throat> verse 27 he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers even as I received of my father so that, you know that's what Christ is going to do and I will give him the morning star. Sardis. He that overcomes the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Then there's Philadelphia. Him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God. The name of the city of my God which is New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Then there's Laodicea. You know, the, in times past, you know, we know that, that this, this is the uh, lukewarm church, the half-hearted, half-interested, not fully committed, not fully trusting. But to him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my father in his throne. Then in Re Revelation 2.29, okay, we read where he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Now we know what Jesus has done for us. He came to reveal the Father's way of life, to go over all of these faithful attitudes that we are to have. Blessed are the meek, for they shall see God. So we know that Jesus has done a lot of things for us and he has taught us things out of his word in this book that we have. And he gave his life so that we might have life to save us from sin and to save us from the evil that is in this world and also to bring forgiveness to each and every one of us. And the good news also of salvation that is to come, the gospel of peace in the age to come. So fret not yourself in any wise to do evil. What we see in this age will not always be. Verse 9, Psalm 37, verse 9. For evildoers shall be cut off, 
But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth for yet a little while. And the wicked shall not be. Yea, you shall dil diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. Verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth. Are we meek? And they shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. In verse 12. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The Lord sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows will be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed of the evil time, in the evil time. And in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke and they shall consume away. Drop on down to verse 27. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves judgment and forsakes not his saints. They are preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speak wisdom and his tongue talks of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide. Verse 37, drop on down. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord, for he is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help him, shall help them and deliver them, and he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. So we are to delight in the Lord. In these everlasting, these faithful and everlasting attitudes. To commit our way unto him and to rest in him. And to cease from anger and to depart from evil. And to do what is good. It's not on your handout but let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 5. Let your moderation, that is, let your graciousness, be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, 
If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Finally, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So when we ask, you know, is there peace in our time? Not yet. We see a lot of things that are happening in this world in which we desire that we could see peace, but we know it is not right now, and we have to wait patiently for that time of peace to come. And a lot of things in this life will stress us, but we have to think pure, depart from evil thoughts, depart from evil ways, and to do what is good.